0: Welcome to EdTech Examine, a series about educational technology and what you need to know. I'm Chris Hans.
1: And I'm Eric Christensen. This is episode four The Five C's, an interview with Dr. Leighton Wilkes, an associate dean at the University of Calgary Haskane School of Business.
0: Yeah, so thanks again, Leighton, for joining us uh, for this um, episode. Um, maybe if you want to start off and just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background
2: sure thing well first of all thanks for having me this is really exciting uh yeah so i'm brand new to the associate dean position teaching and learning uh, at the Haskin school of business i've been doing this now for uh two weeks officially um but it's 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 been a bit of a long road but uh, i always call it an accidental profession so uh i don't know how how uh, in depth, you want me to go, but the the basic story is that. Uh, when I graduated from the U of C in 2000 with a psych degree and didn't kind of know what I wanted to do with my life uh, And so somebody a friend of mine mentioned hey Why don't you go to Japan to teach English and at that point? I was just really interested in the travel, you know experiencing other cultures and I said yeah Why not and I really thought that teaching would be uh, you know something I had to do in between my weekends uh, And went over there and really realized that you know, I, I kind of like this right and and uh, and, and Really like the interaction with the students and things like that. So uh, you know, came back to Calgary and I was really missing the kind of cross-cultural piece. Uh, so went to the, uh, the Hussein School of Business, actually, and did a thesis-based MBA uh, on uh, cross-cultural management. Uh, and at that time, when I graduated, a, a um, professor... Uh, said to me, you know what, I think you'd be great in the uh, in the classroom. And and would you think about teaching our uh, introduction to org behavior? And my my immediate reaction was like, no way, I'm not qualified. It terrified me, you know. Um, But then after a while, I started thinking about it. And I said, yeah, you know, I kind of like this challenge and uh, and jumped in and uh, and, you know, found it just tremendously rewarding. Uh, and so I think you know it's just the natural progression to the uh, the PhD. And then uh, luckily I got hired by Haskane and uh, I guess the rest is history. So I've a uh, full-time instructor for the last six years and now just moving into the associate dean position.
1: Interesting that you said you had a, a psych background.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Um, first love psychology, and uh, you know, within a, uh, a business school, there's actually uh, the field of org behavior is, is primarily psychology. So uh, there's a lot of trained psychologists in, in my department, and uh, I think adds the uh, the human element to business that I love so much.
1: Well, as a psych librarian at Mount Royal, now I'm I'm definitely very interested. There's all sorts of things that we could go and w- in different directions with this. It's fascinating. Awesome, let's do it. Um, so. Leighton, in your role as Associate Dean, so you've been a proponent uh, of the five principles of effective online engagement, and that includes uh, connection, communication, compassion, consistency, and confidence. So I thought that for listeners who are not familiar with these and the framework that you and your colleagues at the Haskane School of Business put together, if you could perhaps run through each of those five and maybe talk about how you came to them, uh, because I think this framework could be really useful for anybody transitioning to an online course, because I think the engagement piece, how they connect, how you connect with students, how you organize yourself with colleagues is going to drastically change during this COVID-19 situation. And I'd love it you could expand on that.
2: Oh, well, yeah. Thank you very much. I mean, this was something that my office put together uh, out of a meeting with uh, all of the, I would say, senior leadership at Haskane, um, where, you know, I think everybody was on the same page in terms of uh, what expectations should be going forward uh, and really as an organization I mean it, it's a weird time for us because we're not having these hallway chats and we're not having these uh, large meetings really um, you know in, in person where we can talk about these things and, and gain consensus uh, so now more than ever you know we thought getting some principles out there getting them kind of into the ether would be super super important uh, both from like a faculty perspective to get people on board but then like you know from a student perspective as well and and setting kind of you know, here are the expectations uh, that the faculty sets of each other. Uh, and then I think the, the other really important piece is is the communication to students that's going to be coming up in some of these orientations around, you know, just expectations for the fall and how uh, online learning is going to be a little bit different than in-person learning. So, you know, these, these five C's, and it was kind of a fluke that To be honest that they all came out as c's but were were some of the best practices and, and just some of the messaging that we uh that we saw as being really really important uh going forward so we wanted to set some some principles and get them out into the ether uh so the first one is that connection and and you know that's just something that we're hearing uh from the students in this online world in that you know we really They want that sense of connection, both with their instructors and then uh, with uh, fellow classmates. And so we were thinking, you know, how can we, how can we really encourage this. Um, And I think there's been a lot of people that that have put a lot of thought into the online learning environment, and then you know, quite frankly, there's there's some people, and I'm talking at a broad educational level, uh, who are still trying to replicate what they've done in the classroom, just in an online environment, and that that's kind of gone two ways, I think. That's either one, uh, the the really asynchronous route, which uh, they're recording lectures and then putting them online, and and sometimes offering uh, very little. Uh, in terms of actual interaction with the instructors. I'm I'm kind of tongue-in-cheek calling that the record it and forget it model. Uh, And then, you know, there's other people who go, okay, well, I'm going to go synchronous and I'm just going to lecture live on Zoom like I normally would. Uh, And I think, you know, ultimately we have to get people thinking beyond that and and thinking uh, about the space to use uh, in the online environment. And that's several different tools and and actually a combination of both asynchronous and synchronous learning. Uh, And so just that connection piece was trying to get out, you know, it's, it's not a the recorded or forget it or it's not just live lecture on zoom it's you know really being aware of of, of where you're going with your course and setting up meaningful uh, opportunities to you know interact with the students and also setting up opportunities for them to interact with each other so that was our our connection piece and just thinking about that um you know communication one of the best practices we hear uh, over and over again is just over communicate right students students don't Uh, uh, kind of know how to navigate this world. Uh, And what we're seeing is, you know, particularly students that were really high performing and and knew how to uh, succeed in in the in-person world are are struggling a little bit with expectations around uh, what's going on in the virtual world. So, you know, it's just over-communicate and it's really structure things and and just make sure that people are comfortable with with everything that you're doing. And it's been communicated a number of different times in terms of, you know, where you're going to find assignments, how you're going to do assessments, what are the expectations around those assessments uh, and, and how we can get that uh, message out to, uh, to the students. Uh, and I think, again, you know, kind of looking at the back end, it's, it's really encouraging instructors to, to think about this in a more structured way of, you know, how am I going to get that information out and, and how am I going to get it out early? Uh, and then, you know, maybe have them a little bit more uh, prepared and, and approach this a little bit more uh, thoughtfully because I think you know we were all caught off so so off guard in the winter and and it really was just scrambling to keep our heads above water but now to to move it to the next level we have to think about these things. Um, yeah, I'm
0: glad that Layton, you mentioned about it, even from the communication side that you should over communicate I mean uh, typically like for example when I go and uh, I usually do like a weekly announcement so I would put it up as an announcement but then I would also just double it up as an email as well just in case so that just to make sure that they actually receive the message and you know who knows uh, at least they can get it on the fly.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I love that. Uh, I've been going to a lot of sessions where they say, you know, best practices, even with the, with the whole idea of the synchronous versus asynchronous is, you know, let students know well ahead of time what parts are going to be asynchronous, you know, what, what's going to be recorded, what's going to be placed online, um, and then what are the expectations around the synchronous stuff. And, you know, uh, uh, when you're actually in class, what that class time is going to be used for. Uh, and in, in my mind, it, it's really helped me kind of structure my courses going forward. Uh, I teach a negotiation course, so uh, this is a bit of an aside, I guess. But, um, you know, what I found is that on Zoom, everything takes like twice as long, especially these really impactful uh, uh, experiential activities. Uh, and so what I'm doing in the fall is, uh, you know, I'm going to pre-record kind of my lecture stuff that would go on after the uh, after the experiential activities and just just spend that synchronous time working the activities, having the talks with the students. Um, but they kind of got to know like, okay, every Tuesday when we meet, we're going to be doing these negotiations and, you know, you got to be prepped and you have to be ready uh, and things like that. So it's it's just overly communicating that in so many ways so that, that students really know what to expect in this online environment.
1: Do you think, Leighton, that the over-communicating or just the better, more mindful approach to communicating in general will carry over if, I say if, things totally turn back to normal?
2: Yeah. Uh, Will it possibly? Should it? I hope so, right? Uh, Absolutely. And I I think, you know, this is this has really been an opportunity for a lot of us to stand back and just reflect on best practices. And, you know, ultimately, I've seen some real positives in terms of, you know, communication in terms of, you know, just just mental health and fairness around, you know, both faculty and students. Uh, And and I think we're gonna see a a really increased uh, focus on that, which is just gonna be to to the betterment of everybody involved. So, you know, fingers crossed, we keep some of that really good stuff, even if it does go back to, you know, normal, I'll say.
1: And you also talk about in your framework, compassion, consistency and confidence. I think if you could run through those, I would love it. But I also think that compassion one is really interesting because I haven't seen that outline quite as clearly as, as you did, which I was really appreciative of.
2: Yeah, well, and, you know, we want to... Um... We really wanted to send a strong message. And this is, you know, both to the faculty and the students that, you know, the world has been flipped upside down, really. Uh, And ultimately, you know, a little compassion, a little understanding on everybody's part is going to go a long way to getting us all uh, through this upcoming semester, um, you know, I, I've been in some meetings with, you know, some other other people that are finding this really, really challenging. Uh, and, and one of my concerns is, you know, the people, especially in my faculty, uh, that I would say that are emerging as the superstars, uh, are the people that are, you know, redesigning all of their choruses, and they're putting in so much work. Uh, and I'm really worried about, like, they're going to be burning out, and they're going to be, you know, the ones that are going to have kind of longer term impacts you know we get back to the psychology we get back to the the mental health aspect um you know and it, part of this is and it's not a cop-out but you know it, it does take six to nine months to really think about this to 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 get a, a really good online course up and running um, you know maybe it's 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 the compassion or the courage to say you know what this time you know make some changes you know go in the swing swing the pendulum in the right direction but you know ultimately it might be good enough and, and you're not going to be perfect and, and you know don't burn yourself out uh and so i think just a little compassion for everybody involved will help us get through uh some of the uh you know foreseeable hardships in the future especially uh you know kind of heaven forbid, if we uh if we do see a second wave and I have to go to a lockdown situation again yeah, uh, the other one, you know, the consistency, just uh, kind of overlapping with what I was talking about in the communications. But just, you know, students need to know, you know, what's expected of them and and uh, and how to use their time, and how can we can be really uh, thoughtful about that uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, scheduling courses, and and then also assessment. Assessment is really emerging as as kind of a, a major uh, issue because, uh, you know. I'll be honest online multiple choice tests are are really tough Uh, and the whole idea of uh, academic integrity is is going to be challenged uh in the in the upcoming semester so uh just that whole idea of of having a little bit of consistency um and then you know the the confidence i think which is there i mean everybody had to transition and i remember the first time you know we were basically given a weekend uh to kind of pivot and get everything online and and the first time i ever did a, a live zoom class was To be honest, terrifying for me. I didn't know how it was going to go. I had to use the breakout rooms. I didn't know, you know, we were doing this big experiential activity. Absolutely terrifying. Uh, But I think over the summer, we could build this confidence in, you know, getting the right equipment, learning the new technology, uh, and and then just really being much more comfortable with that uh, in the fall so that, you know, our our minds and our anxieties aren't on that and it's more on the the art and craft of teaching. So it's really about being bold and, you know, trying some new things and, and just being confident. Uh, and finding your confidence, I guess, with the, the new technologies and the new methods of, uh, of online delivery.
1: That building confidence thing is really interesting to me because that's that's quite difficult to do. I mean, anybody who's gone through higher education knows that building confidence takes a long time. Yeah, I'm curious, though, what you think are the best strategies for doing that within a department. So I know that at, at Mount Royal Library, uh, where I work, uh, we've often had roundtable discussions scheduled at different intervals, sometimes around research, sometimes around teaching, not necessarily a heavy agenda, but to bounce ideas off our colleagues. Right. Do you think departments at UFC would benefit from that or perhaps a, a similar strategy? Is there gonna be kind of a more uh, emphasis on, on sharing and collaboration in terms of what has worked and what hasn't?
2: Yeah, I mean, again, you know, I don't know that I know the definitive best practice. I can just tell you what we've been doing and, and what's worked for us. Uh, so as early as, as June, and I have to give credit to my predecessor, Scott Radford, for doing this, uh, you know, got a bunch of uh, the sessions running on just how do we do this? Uh, and uh, so we had, I think, four live sessions. I, w- I was one of them. Uh, sessions around technology, around uh, um, assessment, around we did just one for block weeks. You know, I'm teaching a block week in the fall, which is a one week really intensive course. Uh, I've got to pivot that entirely. You know, eight hours on Zoom would just be fatiguing for everyone involved for five days straight. Uh, and so I think it was really approaching it in the way of like you know we're all in this together these are the best practices that have worked for other people these are issues that other people haven't thought about and you know let's get together and build this it's really this community of teaching and learning right where people go I don't have the ideas but let's or I don't have the answers but let's reach out to other people and, and share best practices and you know come at it with, I think, a sense of vulnerability that sometimes is is tough in academia, right? Because we're so used to being the experts on everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, we've got to pivot to teaching online, which is something, you know, teaching and education that we should be experts in, but it's a whole new ballgame, right? So it was coming at it with this sense of vulnerability, but also, you know, what is possible and, and building that sense of community uh, so that we can uh, uh, you know, start the conversations and start it early. Uh, and so, you know, we would have on on a regular basis about like 45, 50 people attending those online sessions. I mean, it, I thought it was really well done. And uh, and certainly I can see it in moving the needle. And then, you know, even if people weren't uh, directly involved in those uh, situations, they will have colleagues that were at the table. And, you know, it's, it's the diffusion of best practices, I guess, through uh, through that. So.
1: Interesting. Yeah. The, the, how you communicate best practices and how people collaborate, I think, is a will be an interesting tale to tell once this is done.
2: I, I would agree. And I think, you know, some of it goes back to that communication uh, piece that we were talking about. And, you know, in this world communication is just so readily available, especially around emails. Uh, and I find, you know, we just keep getting all of these emails with all of these links to go and check out. And I mean, it's really information overload. Uh, so I still love that in-person kind of, you know, touch point where you can talk about some of these things and really, you know, whittle down, like, what do I need to know? And and I, I just find it a, a much more effective use of my time than, you know, sifting through a lot of these links to kind of find out what I, to know what I don't even know. So uh, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, that communication piece is a double-edged sword and that there's just so much information out there that could potentially overwhelm you and then you don't even know where to start. So.
0: Yeah, and I I think those uh, sessions were really well done too, Leighton. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's also nice just having uh, your fellow colleagues to actually share their experiences and... Um, At the U of C, I think between the Taylor Institute, and I mean, in my experience here at the Haskane School of Business, it's been a a nice um, touch just with everybody so willing to go and share uh, their thoughts.
2: Yeah, I would agree that I mean, the Taylor uh, Institute has been a tremendous resource. And, you know, we've been sending people uh, in my team over there to get uh, additional training. you know, there there is something about the Haskane School of Business and I think, you know, we have uh, a lot of resources we can dedicate to teaching and learning, which is one of the, the reasons I was really excited about uh, kind of taking on this portfolio. Uh, but there's also this sense of, you know, we do some of this in-house, you know, so it, it's taking the best practices, but then being able to to translate that to uh, to our faculty members uh, in a really efficient way. So I've, you know, there's been that just such a great community that has emerged from this. And, you know, there's really a couple of people that I think are emerging as, as you know, potential superstars in this, uh, this world of online um, engagement. So. Looking, looking forward to seeing what they're gonna they're gonna do in the uh, in the fall semester.
1: Good future people to interview.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) I'll put you in touch if you'd like. Yeah,
1: that would be we'd love that. That would be fantastic. Yeah. So I had a question, or we had a question about looking past the lockdown, and I realized I didn't give you a lot of specifics on this. So I was thinking, what are past the lockdown, either long term or perhaps indefinitely? What do you see as the Ongoing changes to higher ed. And I guess what I was thinking, could be teaching practices, but could also be related to technology, uh, what we train people in, how we allocate uh, PD funds, capital, it could be really anything.
2: Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's such a broad question. Um, You know, I I think we are going to see an increase in the use and adaptation of of technology in the classroom and i think that that's that's fantastic you know in a a number of different ways Uh, i see a a lot of potential out there and i think you know we can really uh just as is education as an industry kind of up our game with that um you know i i hope that we we keep the best elements of of both worlds i think and you know i mean i've been wrestling with this and and i don't want to be have a contrarian point of view or anything like that but I, I think this online space is is kind of tough. And I really think of it from a business perspective uh, in that, you know, honestly, there's some some schools that that do really, really well in this uh, and have been doing it well for a long time and, and are kind of, you know, really crushing it in that online space. And then, you know, every major institution had to pivot uh, in the winter to this online environment. Um, and, you know, I was really thinking about you know, what's our competitive advantage, especially, you know, a, a school like Haskane, right? Um, and I think it could be uh, this situation where everybody pivots and says, okay, now we're doing this online thing. Um, and, you know, it's it's like app development or something, you know, everybody's going to take their shot at it. And then ultimately, there's going to be a couple that are, are really successful. And, you know, when I when I think about education, I think of, you know, if you're going to a top school anywhere, I think in the world, um, you know, I, I would say the 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 concepts, the the education, it, it's kind of it's kind of all the same, right? Like, you know, I, I don't see huge variations and, and you can go to the rankings and things like that. But I mean, that's ultimately based on um, people's research uh, and the faculty's research. And I think a lot of students don't even realize that a lot of the rankings are based on research and, and very little thought is actually given to teaching. Um, so I, I am digressing a little bit. But, you know, the, the big picture is I, I think, you know, we got to take uh, you know, what we do kind of well in some of these best practices and integrate them into the classroom. Um, I see this as a bit of a challenge, though, in in maybe a different way. Uh, And I say, you know, like, what actually brings students to Haskane now? Uh, And, you know, where can we really excel at that and the in-person piece? um, Because, you know, before I was mentioning, uh, and not that education is a commodity, but when you do go to the top schools, you know, if if I can go uh, to, say, a more prestigious school and get the same uh, um, education, level of education, you know, and it's an online thing, you know, I'm going to go to the more prestigious school because basically at that point, the only differentiating status is the name. Um, And so I think, you know, there's going to be a challenge for some schools and you know how do you still get people involved and how do you how do you really recreate um that that in-person experience in in a way that that just blows the doors off the thing Uh, and and so that's i think that that's kind of where we're thinking uh now as a school you know like yeah do the online stuff do it great we can always pick up our game but then you know let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater and really you know pivot too far and and really think about what we can do in the future to make our in-person programs the best because some of the challenges, especially around, our, I would say, our more engaged students is, you know, they're losing that sense of connection. And, and in my mind, it's it's the learning outside of the classroom that is just important, as important, it's the student clubs, it's, you know, the interacting with their students, it's doing these high impact courses uh, that that are really all about the, the people skills and working with people. Uh, and and when you take that away from the university experience and, and put it all online, and if, if we can't figure out a way to replicate that, um, I think that might be a, a really good opportunities for some of the uh, the you know more local schools as opposed to the you know bigger ones with the bigger names. So.
1: I'm just thinking think of a follow up. I'm, I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking a little bit about you. You talk about differentiators. So, and and things in education. All you know, all things being equal. So the curriculum could be very similar. The technology they use could be very similar. So this yeah. isn't really a, a technology follow up, but something that comes out of this pivot. Do you think there'll be more attention paid to, or perhaps more focus during hiring on personality and presence? Because that's very difficult. I mean, People who have personality face-to-face, I would imagine that they would bring a lot of that even to an online environment, even if they're not perfect or great at it.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I would love to see uh, uh, more, uh, academic hiring based on personality and based on, uh, you know, good fit and teaching, I think uh, far too often it's, it's because of the rankings that, you know, we focus on research. Uh, and I think there's this really weird dynamic in, in higher education where, you know, you're trained for you know, four or five years to doing a PhD and it, it's basically all about the research uh, with, with kind of some peripheral stuff about teaching. And then we, we think that just people, because they have the, the, the knowledge content that they're able to go into the classroom and knock it out of the park. Well, you know excellent teaching, as we all know is is much broader than that, and it is about the personality and all of those things uh, and and really bringing in I, I think it's some of that extra stuff it it's taking the risks and you know again, with the technology it's it's kind of bringing in the the really cool Uh, computer simulations or some of those things, you know, into the classroom to augment what we're doing uh, uh, already in there. Um, You know, I've been really reflective during the past uh, couple of couple of months. Uh, And, you know, this this whole pivot online, I think, is, is it's it caused me to reassess what, what I do best. And, and on the final day of our uh, EMBA course, I had one one gentleman in the class actually say, you know, I have a much smaller presence in uh, in Zoom uh, than I do in, in the classroom. And I actually, you know, it was, it caused me to pause a little bit and think, you know what, you're right. And, and maybe it's a function that I'm, you know, quite literally at my kitchen table teaching and I'm not in the room and I don't have the audience. Um, but it caused me to really reflect on, you know, how can I, how can I still engage people and how can I have that passion and that kind of presence uh, when I'm a little two inch box in the corner of their screen for most of the time. Uh, and I think, I think that's the big challenge really with, with online. It's, you know, how do you maintain that, that engagement and how do you, you maintain that presence when it's a, you know, quite frankly, a really different medium.
1: Yeah. And I wonder too, maybe, maybe Chris might have some thoughts on this cause I know he's taught a lot longer online than I have, but I'm thinking of if, as a result of everybody using these technologies for teaching if the technology will drastically get better. I know that Microsoft Teams, I believe now is starting to roll out a feature where it looks like all the little people are in an audience and then the person giving the lecture. So it kind of tries to recreate that presence. I wonder as VR headsets get cheaper and things like AltSpace VR, which was bought by Microsoft, where you can have an avatar and you can walk around. I wonder if those things will get huge development because there's so many people trying it out.
0: Yeah, and I, I think you know you make a good point, Layden, about having that presence. Um, and I mean, for myself, even when I'm, uh, my preference is actually to teach in person as well. And you feed off the energy of the the students, and you know the the presence definitely is different. And so for online, you're you're adapting and. Um, Yeah, for the most part, I would say it's definitely isn't the same type of experience. Um, But some of the things that I do to augment it is uh, just spend one-on-one time with like the groups and, uh, you know, walk them through their actual um, group project, give them mentorship, advice, guidance uh, uh, on that, uh, from that respect. So, but, you know, uh, speaking on, um, uh, you know, you touch upon the, like the digital tech, uh, like the challenges and the the digital education um, kind of piece, where there probably is a, a lot of opportunities, and so you know, what kind of ed ed tech tools do you find most exciting?
2: Yeah, I mean, great question, and I I think you know, a lot of these tools are, are kind of emerging. And, you know, the, the one that makes me most excited is, is, is just the, uh, the, the, what, you know, both you and, and Eric were talking about is, you know, it's kind of the complete package. It's kind of, you know, the one-stop shop. Cause I think we see a bunch of like glimmers of, of really cool things, but it's, you know, how do we integrate that in a tool that A, you know, is readily readily accessible and, and B, that the students and the faculty know how to use, right? Cause there's always a learning curve with some of these. Um, And so, you know, I was I was thinking about this earlier today um, and and it seems almost like as a given now. But like, I think Zoom is a giant game changer uh, in in terms of the online space, because uh, even uh, well, for the past five years, I've been teaching an online course in cross-cultural management. uh, And um, part of that is that I put the students on a virtual cross-cultural team. So they are literally uh, with people from around the world. It's called X-Culture. It's a really cool project. Uh, And, you know before this uh pandemic like nobody would use zoom it was always like facebook groups or you know uh maybe they might have a skype chat uh and i think now that everybody's just so much more comfortable with zoom and we just know how to use it and it's it's an available tool uh it's really going to change the way that people communicate uh long distance right so i mean i i think that we can't um downplay the the uh impact that zoom has had and and how amazingly it's just like part of like everybody's vernacular right now right it's a it, it was an amazing pivot i think um you know again i i see some really kind of like uh cool things in terms of like little little uh, uh, tech uh, programs that you can use you know uh i just a couple of sessions ago we started using something called jam boards right which is like a google product kind of a online you know um, um discussion board uh, and you see that and you're like oh really cool and then somebody else finds uh, it's a program called uh, Miro, uh, M-I-R-O, which is basically almost the same thing just like to the next level. Uh, So actually a couple of us are are using Miro uh, in a session uh, this afternoon where we're getting a bunch of people from around the world together to talk about like the future of education uh, and and more specifically like, you know, the future of education at at Haskane. Uh, So you just see like, you know, pieces of little tools that are really, really cool uh, to use. But uh, what I would love is to see, you know, one integrated piece uh, and uh, and I don't think that we're we're quite there yet. I think, you know, like Microsoft Teams is really doing some really cool things. Um, but then we've got to kind of integrate that into our, our course management system, or, you know, like D2L as we use at the university. You know, like how can we make it uh, uh, really seamless? Uh, I think the other thing is just, you know, AI and, and, and virtual reality, I think could be really cool. Uh, and I think it could really push the space. You know, I, I take a, a bunch of students to Japan every year Uh, to get, you know, the experience. And and one of the highlights is always the Toyota factory, uh, especially for operation management uh, students. Uh, And I'm like, okay, yeah, I I get it. There's a a great, you know, learning and going to Japan and it's much more rich. But, you know, if you're an opma student or operations management and, you know, you can throw on the headsets and and do a virtual Toyota tour. I mean, how cool is that, right? Uh, And so I think there's a lot of opportunities uh, around that and just, uh, you know, simulations, especially around decision-making where, you know, you can basically take a year's, worth of decision-making and can kind of compress it, compress it into a a simulation that maybe lasts hours or a couple of weeks, and then you can try it again. I I think there's just so much cool stuff around that. Um, But, you know, the big one I think would be a fully integrated suite that, uh, you know, could really be used in in education.
0: And, you know, Layden, it's interesting. You mentioned about like Jamboard and and the mural, so I, I actually had uh, created a course on design thinking for the U of C and uh, I was originally supposed to teach it face-to-face and we were going to go and I had planned exercises for, you know, using stickies and whiteboards and and then all of a sudden with the COVID pandemic, I had had to go and adapt and the first tool I looked at was Jamboard, but then I found like while it's easy, uh, some of these other tools actually maybe are a little bit better, uh, like Miro. And the nice thing from an educational side of things, you can get a license of up to uh, 100 people. And then on the other side, for uh, there's another one called Mural as well, which is okay. well, really well uh, known for that space.
2: Excellent. I'll have to check that out. Um, you know, I think that that's the other challenge is, you know, sometimes you don't know what you don't know in the terms of this this tech space. And there are so many little programs that are out there. Uh, and then, you know, they get brought to our attention. But, you know, there's only so many licenses that we can afford to pay for. And, and then how do you really figure out which, which one is the one that will hit it out of the park and which one is the one that, you know, won't be adopted two years later and you're going to have to pivot anyways. Um, so it, it, it can be a really challenge from like an administration uh, point of view in in terms of adopting some of these because uh, you know universities are pretty um, risk adverse especially if they are you know laying down a, a significant amount of money for some of these like Yeah,
0: no absolutely and you know it's funny, so I actually use both mural jamboard and mural and yeah. um, uh, I found the the students got a little bit overwhelmed because of the learning curve with all the the programs and um, I actually had some guest speakers, so I mean this is where I think For myself, I actually saw it as an opportunity. So I I reached out to people who are practicing design thinking. And um, I had uh, somebody from Amsterdam, New York, Kansas, and You know, Silicon Valley actually come as guest speakers and a couple of them actually walked in and used mural and, you know, showed the students how to go and use it, how they use it uh, in this remote setting right now. So it was, I think, really powerful that way. But, you know, this is where, again, it's like, you know, you look at the opportunities as well that uh, you might be able to go and capitalize on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, with a lot of these technologies, it's, it's actually really bringing the world to the classroom. Uh, and, and we are seeing a big uptake in Haskane and, and you know, local people that are willing to zoom in, but but also international people um that are much more, you know, I think it's it's down to the comfort with the technology. And, you know, before uh a couple of years ago, you know, I had um Michael Spavor. I don't know if he's one of the two Michaels currently held by uh, China. Um, he's a Calgarian. Uh, I had him zoom into my classroom just to talk about, you know, North Korea. So that's the cross-cultural management uh, classroom. And it was, you know, it was a big deal. And, you know, it was all, oh, is Skype going to be stable. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of anxiety around this. Um, but now I think, again, you know, that people utilize Zoom and some of these tools over and over again in, in their workplace. Uh, the, the anxiety is, is much lower for, for, you know, potential guest speakers in some of these uh, other people that you could bring into your classroom so uh we're getting a huge uptake in people that say yeah i've got an extra hour i'm happy to zoom in you know so it, it's really cool i think it's it's really going to up the game uh, in terms of that uh, you know getting a different outside perspective which is just so valuable especially for business students
0: uh sure so uh layton we've talked about uh, on the podcast that uh you know discussed our home uh kind of work stations that we have and we're calling them command centers Is there a must have tool that you have in your home setup?
2: You know, th- that's a great question. And and I will say my home setup is, is a little bit lackluster. Uh, you know, as a side, my wife and I were thinking about moving before the pandemic. So it actually uh, sold uh, a bunch of stuff, including my uh, office furniture in anticipation of that. Uh, and so, you know, a bit of an aside, but absolutely, I, I think to do it right, you need the tools, right? Uh, and it's, it's as basic as if, if you're being on Zoom and trying to do some things, uh, you know, just two monitors, I think, in, in addition to your laptop screen is, absolutely essential right and and just having the tools like you know stable internet connection even something as simple as that like when we went to the pandemic uh the first thing i did was i called and switched my internet provider anticipating that i needed a higher speed internet to to accommodate what i was going to be asked to do Uh, and so i think that there's like that basic setup that you you just require as we go into the fall, though, uh, and and thinking of the winter as a bit of a, like triage, you know, now it's like, you know, what can we do to up the game to 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 professionalize some of these things? Uh, so it is about, you know. Getting maybe the stand-up desk if you're more comfortable and, and can have more energy standing while teaching. I know I I, I think it's just a, a small thing, but when I sit, I think I don't have the same energy as when I stand. You know, it's it's the background lighting and and just making sure that you know you have all those little things, microphone, and <laughs> things like that, right? Um, so I don't know if it's if it's like one absolute need. I think you need the, the the basics, and then ultimately, you know, it's it's how do you professionalize that and how do you do something that that really doesn't seem like a uh, uh, a second class product, I would say, right? It's, you know, this is what we do and it's professional and it's seamless uh, and kind of cool.
1: So this next section is called rapid fire questions. So this is something that we're going to ask all of our interviewees uh, from now going forward. We may change these questions a little bit, uh, but just to get kind of a fun sense of the technology people are using and their preferences. So are you ready, Layton, for rapid fire questions? Hit me. Okay. I'll be my best. Question one. Mac or PC? Uh, Mac all the way. Question two, iPhone or Android? Ooh, iPhone. I'm still so integrated
2: with all Apple products.
1: And question three, and you kind of talked about this a bit, but standing or sitting desk? Oh,
2: I love the standing desk now for teaching. I think that it it replicates some energy and it, it it's just a different experience.
0: All right, well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again, Leighton.
2: Well, yeah, my pleasure, and really nice to meet you, Eric. Maybe one day pleasure. we'll uh, we'll get to <laughs> maybe we'll all get to meet each other. Hey? social <laughs> distance uh, beer. There we yeah, go. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm all for that, actually. So, yeah.
1: thanks very much, Leighton. Okay, okay.
2: cool. You. We'll talk to you guys later. Take yeah, care. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Bye.
1: For more information about EdTech Examined, visit edtechexamined.com. If you have tech questions you'd like us to answer, you can reach us at our email. Hey at EdTechExamined.com. You can also find us on Twitter at EdTechExamined. Tag your posts with the hashtag EdTechOfficeHours, and we might feature your question on a future episode. Until next time.